You're listening to And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 184. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have the most professional of culture editors, Han Win. Hey! Hey! hey. <laughs> it's just me and you today, yes, Han. Yes, just me. Um, our other co-host, Jess Ju, is, um, well, she's out, but I kind of forgot where she I mean, went. She she said she was traveling somewhere, but at this point, I kind of just also lost track i i see her on instagram <laughs> and i'm like that's pretty cool and i was thinking where is she now i don't remember so we'll get the story later yeah, another day. we're we're totally the friends that zone out when <laughs> someone is talking to us about their vacations <laughs> oops. oops oops um but yeah we are here at the end of february which means it's time once again for our monthly asian american news roundup do we want this <laughs> i can't believe we're already almost at march it is yeah i feel like the New Year's just happened, and technically it did yep. just happen, but... Yep. I mean, I'm still attending a New Year's thing this coming weekend, so... <laughs> yeah, but we're not here to lament about the passage of time. We're here to talk about pop culture. And so before we get to our um, news roundup, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through this week. Um, so tell me, what's popping, Han? <laughs> well, as a uh, radical departure from what I usually talk about... Um, it's, I'm going to bring up a English language TV show. Um, it's called The Vince Staples Show. It's on Netflix. Uh, it is, for me, I find this type of show delightful. So Vince Staples, if you don't know, um, I actually didn't recognize the name. And every time it was in my inbox, like, you got new screeners for The Vince Staples Show. I was just like, who is this country <laughs> singer who got a TV show? Um, and the description did not help. It was it was starting out like, who is Vince Staples? And I was just like, well, that's what I want to know. Um, so clearly, I am just not in the know. Uh, he is a rapper turned actor turned, you know, many things. He's a comedian. Um, the When I actually recognized him, apparently he also played a character in Abbott Elementary, not a main character. Um, but I was like, oh, is that guy? So um, he has a five episode sh- comedy on Netflix called The Vince Staples Show. Um, every episode is about, you know, like 20 ish minutes. So a usual sort of half hour. Um, but it has more of a feeling almost like Atlanta, I would say, in that there mm-hmm. is some absurdity going on. There's a it's not quite the magical realism that goes on, but it's definitely has its own logic and weirdness and humor and um it's dark but also very i don't know somewhat lighthearted like you don't see any actual violence but well mm, there's one part <laughs> anyway so he he digs into all of those themes but in such a way that it's kind of like part of you is just like uncomfortable but also laughing but also like oh that's so true um and and then also you're kind of like, I'm not quite sure what this means, but I think I get what it means because I am not, you know, uh, a black person. But at the same time, there's just, I don't know, there's so many good truths and the tone and what he includes is just so specific and well controlled that I'm kind of like an odd kind of like when I was watching Atlanta, I was like, how did the show get made? Um, and that's what I feel. So each episode um, has a very simple um, storyline and on the surface, but it's just how things play out. 
So the first episode is like he gets pulled over by the police and then he, you know, most of the episode is spent in jail. But the thing is, since he is playing a version of himself, um, some of them know who he is. And they were like, hey, can you get me like tickets to your next show while he's in the clink? <laughs> right. And so there's that weird sort of in-between quality he has of being kind of known, but also being black. You know, um, he's uh, from Long Beach. And so it's set in Long Beach because I was like the very first um Image starts in a donut shop and the proprietor there is Vietnamese because all of a sudden I was like, wait, why did I just recognize like what she said? Um, <laughs> and then they show Suddenly like Han is interested. <laughs> yeah. And then they show like a storefront and there's like a Thai restaurant next to like a Japanese restaurant. And I was like, why does that look familiar? So I literally Googled those two restaurants next to each other and I was, it said Long Beach. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, but and then I checked it out. And yes, he he's from Long Beach. So um, there's yeah, there's a lot of interesting, truthful things to the show. And I don't know how m- much more to s- describe it. And now I kind of understand why the Netflix description was so horrible was because it's kind <laughs> of a show that's hard to describe. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. It's also since, like I said, five episodes, only about 20 minutes each. And they go fast. So yeah, check it out. Yeah, I mean... I am not up on my rap and hip hop. Um, I think I've mentioned them plenty of times on this podcast. I don't really listen to current music um, just because I don't drive enough to listen to radio yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but his name sounds so familiar. And I think I love the fact that we're getting we're still getting these like kind of experimental comedies mm-hmm. and that it's you know it's on streaming, which means, you know, Netflix is still taking swings. And we can talk more about Netflix later on um, in this segment. Mm-hmm. But um, that's cool. I mean. I don't know if I'm going to seek it out, but now that I know about it, you know, when I have 20 minutes to spare, I might, I might throw on an episode to see see what's what. Oh, uh, yeah. I would I would add to that since we're talking about that. Uh, Mo on Netflix also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another comedy. I think it's on Netflix. I think so. I, I remember you yes. talking about it because it's, uh, yes. it's set in Houston, which is here. Yes, it's a Houston. And he's from <laughs> A-Leaf also. So, yes. My yeah. hood. Um, okay. Yeah. So, that's mine. Um, so, Marvin, what is popping with you? Yeah, I've been watching some Netflix as well. I've been checking out the new live action adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender. Ah. I did not complete my self-appointed task of watching the original animated series before. So I mm-hmm. went in cold. I've watched one episode so far. So these are like my my initial thoughts. And I'm pretty sure we'll be discussing Avatar later on this month. You know, it's a big show that I'm sure we'll have a lot of thoughts about. But so far, I've been digging it um like i mentioned i don't have a lot of experience with avatar the last airbender most of my knowledge comes through cultural osmosis so i kind of know the gist of the story i know it's a hero's journey i know there's a redemption arc for the main antagonist and i know it's like you know set in a asian coded fantasy world um and something about cabbages but um overall as someone who like has no context of everything in between um, i thought it was a pretty solid first episode um mm-hmm. and i do have thoughts about like the way that the show looks um mm. i know that they they filmed this in a giant version of the volume not the volume from disney but like a version of that like kind of digital soundstage right mm-hmm. and it's interesting how something can look amazing and like crap at the same time <laughs> oh, <no>. like the <laughs> The backdrops are really well rendered. They're very detailed. They they look expansive. Mm-hmm. But then if you're looking at like the blocking and like the way that scenes play out, like physically filming in the volume requires you to 
kind of stage things like like a play. You only mm-hmm. have a limited amount of space, mm. so any chase scenes, any scenes that require like multiple like <laughs> like wide shots, mm-hmm. look terrible. <laughs> like the, the the show starts with a chase scene where it's like just quick cuts and like people running from left to right, <laughs> or top to bottom, and I'm like, man, I mean, I get it. It's sure. cool to use this technology; you can like literally transport your people into into worlds. But sometimes, like in this like post Andor world, like you just want mm. physical sets or like on location shooting, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting note, though, because for like I, I kind of mentioned this last week when it came to the Thai show. Sometimes the Netflix money, you know, like gives it a boost. <laughs> but I guess in this instance, like there was such a fantastical world that maybe they couldn't keep up with expectations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not that it looks bad, but mm-hmm. the action scenes, especially the chase scenes, just look. Someone pointed this out to me before, so that's how I noticed it this time. Because mm. if you watched Obi Wan Kenobi, which is also <laughs> shot in ah. in the volume, like the scenes where like Princess Leia is being chased by anybody, mm-hmm. they're like sure. zigzagging around like a market <laughs> for some reason because they have to stretch this chase out. But you only have like a limited like stage for like ah. four shots, right? So um, I think just like from a craft perspective, it just <laughs> I can't unsee it, which which is unfortunate. Now, see, I totally know what you mean because I definitely did watch uh, Little Leia getting chased and just thinking, this seems like it's supposed to be more dramatic than it is. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I couldn't really get into it. But for some reason, maybe it was because I was doing other things. I didn't really notice that with Avatar because I did also check out the first few episodes. It was mostly that initial scene. Um, the first scene, which was ah. the only chase. The other scenes were like it was battles. Like, yeah, that one it was more like too many quick cuts. But I think that's just modern day like post born action blocking, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. More importantly, because this is was the only thing that has penetrated through my non knowing of uh, Avatar. Is what did you think about Appa? I like the big <laughs> sky bison. Did he look good? It looked fine. I mean, okay. again. I kind of have a vague idea of what he's supposed to look like. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, he's big, he's furry, and his yeah. fur looks soft and stinky. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think it, it worked out. Um, the, the one piece of like casting or portrayal that um, I chafed at a little bit was um, Soka, one of the uh, main characters who's supposed uh, to be the brother of Katara. But it looks like, it honestly looks like they have different parents. I mean, maybe, like, I I don't know enough about, like, the actor. So I don't want to say anything. I I also was just like, was, was this, because I did remember, I watched the first episode of the original Avatar. And I do remember them arguing. But I didn't remember exactly what they looked like. So that was, I mean, yeah. they were both like darker skinned, like sure, 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 indigenous sure. coded people, well, which is interesting that like I out mean, of you... all the countries that we've seen, there seems to be like some like pretty white people in that, in that village. Yeah. You know? I mean, you yeah. can you can have, of course, varying skin colors within the same group and even within the same family. But I kind of know what you mean when it comes to features. Um, yeah, it's just... <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. I don't know the decision making to that. I know there's some controversy also over like the actor's like ethnic background. Uh, um, maybe maybe they uh, cast him for the vibe because isn't Sokka. I mean, he definitely catches the vibe. He, okay. I was like okay. the butt monkey of like the, <laughs> of the show. Well, um, I will but, continue to watch and see, and see and then maybe we can get Jess's opinion. 
I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. I think it's just the fact that, like, I'm supposed to believe these two are related. And they do act like siblings. But yeah. in a show where everyone's been Asian coded so far to have, like, a super Caucasian face pop up as one of the main characters, yeah. it, it was a little jarring. But overall, the acting was pretty solid. I thought Dallas Liu played a pretty good Zuko. You know, he's ch- definitely channeling Dante Bosco's yes. um, total, like, like demeanor and vibe. Mm-hmm. Um the action's pretty solid. Um, the bending looks great. Um, even though I do kind of, as someone who like is seeing this in action for the first time, all of these superfluous like hand waving to conjure up the elementals um, was a little funny to watch. But um, mm-hmm. I guess as someone who has a lot of experience watching like Wuxia films, um, it wasn't. It didn't yeah, really yeah. You know, seem out of place. Yeah, it feels a little bit different because I think there's a certain like language to Wuxia that you. Maybe it's all the flapping that helps, but um, but here it did feel a little bit more like obvious that there were wires or things like that or or rigs you know involved. So they didn't yeah. feel as weightless to me, you know. But bottom line, did this first episode make me want to watch the rest of the show? Yeah. I think it did. I think I'm going to commit to, um, as a Avatar newbie, to watch the entirety of this first season live action before jumping into uh, the animated series and seeing what changed and what didn't. I will say I was it was interesting to see how it still felt like a kids show, but with like more mature, let's say, set dressing. Like the show gets kind of violent, right? Like people are getting burned alive. Yeah, there's some there's some crispy critter stuff going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was, I was like, oh, you're going to show it. Okay. Which is interesting because the story Mm -hmm. itself between like the three, like they're like YA characters in like the Mm -hmm. literal sense, not the modern sense where it's like Mm -hmm. YA characters depicted as adults, you know? Right, right. Like they're like young adults or like tweens even Mm -hmm. that are going off on a journey. Which contrasted with like the darker, I, it kind of, I can kind of see why people were up in arms by the producers talking about how they wanted Game of Thrones it up because there is a little bit of like a dissonance going on. But at the same time, there is an initial genocide that happens to kick off the story. Yeah. And genocides aren't, you know. They're, they're not fictional. Though, yeah, know? they're they're yeah. not fictional. In fact, they're going on right now and kids are involved. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, on that grim note. yeah look excited to continue my journey with um the live action avatar the last airbender excited to chat with you and just about it um somewhere down the line but Mm -hmm. um with that that'll do it for what's popping for this week when we come back we're going over the latest asian american entertainment news in this month's do we want this stick around I'm Charlene Kay. I'm a musician, songwriter, and guitarist. Growing up, I loved music. Whether it was pop, acoustic, emo, I ate it all up. But as a Chinese-American kid living in Scottsdale, Arizona, I also felt isolated, never really seeing artists who looked like me or shared my experiences. So after years of performing on stages all over the world, I wanted to create a space to highlight the amazing Asian musicians who I knew were out there, just not always getting played on the radio. That's why I started Golden Hour, a podcast where Asian singers, songwriters, instrumentalists, and music producers share their personal stories. And it's a space for you to discover your new favorite artist. Listen to Golden Hour with me, Charlene Kay, wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. 
Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It is the end of the month, so it's once again time to ask ourselves, do we want this? Where we go around and review the latest Asian American entertainment news to determine its pop culture worthiness. Um, so, yeah, let's get started. Um, Han, what is our first news story? Okay, a surprise Moana sequel is hitting theaters in November. So apparently Bob Iger announced this on a uh, Disney earnings call. Disney will release an animated sequel to the 2016 film that will hit theaters November 27th. Uh, it came during an earnings call with, in which Iger emphasized that the ship was being righted at Disney film and TV divisions. Mm. Several months after he had acknowledged the company had done too much too fast in order to feed Disney Plus, uh, which is interesting. Um leading to some cases of lower quality projects hitting the marketplace. I feel great about where we are with the studio, he said. Uh, Interesting. Um, Anyway, so details about the actual sequel. Uh, Dave Derrick Jr., who worked on the original film as a storyboard artist, will direct. This is separate from a live action remake of Moana um, that's starring Dwayne Johnson, etc., that we already know about. Um, It was originally developed as a TV series before becoming a movie. And part of, you know, the reason why they're announcing it is because Moana, the original film, is pretty much the top uh, rated or watched movie on the Disney Plus platform, um, having crossed one billion minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, Moana, very popular. They're going to make more of it. Uh, do we want this? I mean, I'm always going to say yes to more Moana. Mm-hmm. The whole genesis of the idea feels little like capitalist icky but if the end result is more moana then i guess it was worth it (laughs) i don't know it's interesting because it really sounds like they're going all in on moana which uh because of like you said it's overperformance on disney plus which makes me fear that Mm -hmm. the moana that we're gonna get is gonna be like focus grouped analytics driven disney and not like the Disney that had a lot of heart. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit torn. I think I would need to n- know a little bit more about it because, you know, the big screen movies that have sort of spawned TV series are inconsistent um, at best. I do think I, I seem to remember the Emperor's New Groove had a pretty good series that came out of it, though. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think jury's out for me um i do want more moana i i think ali cravalo just needs to be doing more work so happy for her to get that but yeah i think i just 
what is the plot? What is, you know, like... <laughs> well, the story does say that this originally started as a TV series. Right. Which makes sense because animated films take mm-hmm. years yep. to develop. Right. So I wonder if... Because, like, I haven't... Like, I never watched Frozen 2. So I don't know. I'll oh, it's, a, there. It, it's it's all right. They It's interestingly enough, they bring up... um colonialism and um <laughs> genocide so just, yeah yeah but like so, sometimes you know you watch a film that felt like it could have been a tv show right so right? i wonder if like it's gonna be feeling episodic in any way or like less like if the narrative thread is not as cohesive um so we'll see yeah and also <laughs> just the fact that the live action one's coming next year already so this the anime sequel is coming in november of this year 2024 yeah. and the live action is coming out in 2025 <sighs> yeah i mean it, so the irony isn't lost that he's saying oh yeah we, we did too much too fast for disney plus and we're getting two moanas in like two years yeah yeah I, I, <laughs> as soon as he said that i was just like uh my next story is also going to be about Disney Plus. You know? So <laughs> like they I think maybe what they need to mention is like uh, maybe we did too much Marvel or too much Star Wars or something like that. But like, yeah, they need to be specific. But whatever. I mean, they, yeah. they all do double speak. So. <laughs> but at the same time, like I'm not surprised that Moana is the most mm-hmm. streamed. I, I'm, I'm guessing it beat out Frozen, which. Kind of warms my heart, ironically. Yes. Um, yes. Because Moana just has, like, Frozen has good songs, I guess. Sure. Um, but, like, Moana's just a fun, like, it's a fun adventure. There's some great songs and there's representation. So I'm glad that, you know, that's out there too. I, yeah. Um, uh, I much prefer <laughs> Moana. I think I could, it could be on at any point and I'd watch it. But Frozen to me, like, honestly, I thought the movie was boring. Um, maybe it's also because I don't have sisters, but like, I was kind of like, that's the plot uh, when I finally watched it. So, you know, sorry to all those Anna and Elsa fans. But I know, like uh, Frozen. I like the fact that, like, it's, it's like fine. the princess saves themselves and there's no like yeah you know. it's it's fine um i just it's just not my thing so but yeah mm. moana for me i was like way more interesting yeah so yeah um all right how about marvin uh what what other news do you have all right um our next story and um this popped up on the news feed and left me a little flabbergasted but um apparently there is a live action naruto film in the works written and directed by um destin daniel Cretton. Um, Naruto, for those of you who haven't been following anime over the last few decades, is a coming-of-age story about a boy who lives in a ninja village who is ostracized because he has like a demon um, sealed within him and seeks the acceptance of his peers by aspiring to become the head of his ninja village. It is a long-running shonen series um, that um, the original series already ended and has spun off into a sequel series that's running currently in Japan. Uh, But it is a very beloved series Mm -hmm. with tons of fans all over the world about the power of friendship and cool ninja skills. So, yeah. Do we want this? As someone who's not as devoted to Naruto, but I do understand the reverence that people have for it it is a seminal work i don't know um (laughs) justin daniel critton also kind of like i don't know what his relationship is with the project i would like to hear more from him he he's a pretty broad sort of like crowd-pleasing director so maybe it's okay but i i kind of just don't have a real read on this at this point 
I mean, he wrote and directed um, Shang-Chi, so he's no yeah, stranger to like fantastical martial arts films. Um, Naruto's story takes place like mm-hmm. in the completely fantasy world um, and like mixes in like it's about ninjas. So there's a lot of like, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's hard to take a look at this project and not feel like it's a really hard undertaking. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. nigh like I, I, it's going to be impossible to make something that like will satisfy a lot of people and i'm sure you know there's gonna be the the tug right whenever you have a a, an adaptation it's like do you Mm -hmm. do you stay true to the source material or do you do your own spin on it and when you have something like you said this seminal that's a Mm -hmm. hard decision right either way you're gonna have people who hate it yeah yeah and you know what i'm i'm look i'm gonna assume the best that he grew up on naruto and loves it but at the same time i i partly kind of wish that someone who had a bit more maybe anime or some sort of experience because there's a certain language and not that this needs to have an anime feel to the action but i think there is sort of a tone that i'm kind of worried about <laughs> so we'll see we'll see um, yeah yeah <laughs> i mean he did do shan chi did direct some episodes of american born chinese mm-hmm. yeah and apparently this adaptation has been in development with Lionsgate since huh. 2015. So it's about coming up on almost 10 years of development hell. So attaching a director writer to this project means it's moving at least. Right. Mm-hmm. So we might actually see what this looks like in the next few years, but currently right now, I don't know if, I don't know if I want this. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm not going to trash it too much at this point. It's too early, but at the same time, I don't feel excited. If they can pull it off, it would be like amazing. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. they were able to pull off One Piece. Um, yes, so, I enjoyed One Piece. So yeah, so you know, if there's anything that's primed to fit into like the the MCU formula, it's Shonen Jump series, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. those are essentially superhero sure, shows. Sure. So so yeah, I guess I guess we'll wait and see. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> right. uh, what's our next story, Han? Uh, so it's going to be sort of a combo story, um, but the first thing I'm going to be, it's basically a whole lot of K content is coming, but the first one I'm going to be talking about is Disney Plus. Um, they unveiled a whole you know, expanded slate of Korean originals for the year, and this is not super surprising. Um, they did you know, call out how moving, which here in the States we know was on Hulu, but in elsewhere it's on Disney Plus and they're all the same company anyway. Um, but moving is the uh, uh, K-drama I mentioned that's about uh, superhero kids and they're the parents who try to hide their powers because they're wanted by the government. Um, so it became, that's like their big breakout original hit. Um, so it's not terribly surprising that they're going to, be doing this stuff um so a few, just a, a touch about what they're bringing um this year uh a thriller called blood free a mystery series called unmasked an action series called the tyrant crime drama gangnam b-side uh season three renewal of a reality show called the zone survival mission um i think we discussed this slightly um there's a show called light shop that is from kong fool who is the same person who brought moving um to the screen and um a period drama called Uncle Samshik, um, starring Song Kang Ho, uh, star of Parasite. Um, so yeah, tons and tons of stuff coming. Um, I think I was aware that they had already made like no one talks about it, but like on Disney Plus, there is a four-part 
uh, romance K-drama called Soundtrack Number 1. Soundtrack Number 2 is coming soon also. Um, not mentioned in this. In this. But uh, yeah, so they're ramping up. So do we want this when it comes to Disney Plus? <laughs> I, I do want this mm-hmm. um, because I think <laughs> from like a a labor standpoint right like more competition in the acquisition of korean content leads to more competitive rates for that content Mm -hmm. which i think is a net positive over like one of the streamers having all the power Mm -hmm. whether or not that actually happens you know we'll see um but i do love the fact that disney plus and the other streamers too are getting into international acquisitions more like Mm-hmm. More ardently, I guess, um, because there's been K dramas here and there. There's been anime here mm-hmm. and there on Disney Plus before, but to see like a concerted push to really like, expand a slate, I like that progress because um, it means they're seeing that people are watching this content on their platforms, which means they'll be more keen to bring more in. Like one of the things that like sucks the most as like an, an anime watcher is whenever Disney acquires streaming rights to an anime series. Um, we don't get it here in the States until a year later. And Mm -hmm. it's always on Hulu because um, Disney Plus is available worldwide. But they're very protective of their U.S. app storefront, right? Anything that's like outside of the Disney norm gets shuttled off to Hulu later on as an afterthought. Mm -hmm. And that's always sucked for me as someone who wants likes to watch things as they're airing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, one of those things where I appreciate country role for bringing anime, you know, uh, around the same time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I like that there's competition because these aren't just acquisitions. These are co-productions. So mm-hmm. um, we are investing. These companies are investing in this international productions. Um, of course, part of me is just like, oh, no. More ramped up productions in other countries mean like the capitalism is winning. Um, so part of me feels like <laughs> capitalism oh, I, is already won. Huh? Yes, yes, and this, I am so. and I am contributing to it. Um, I just hope certain labor things don't happen, like because of this ramped up production, um, like labor violations and people getting you know uh, uh, exploited. But you know that's that kind of almost always happens when something starts getting ramped up, and hopefully. Uh, they start having their hot labor summers, you know, <laughs> um, after our wave of them um, happen. But uh, yeah, so I also just like the fact that um, I maybe because I'm on the other side of it. Um, Hulu, when they reach out for reporters to try to cover things, um, are a little bit different from like Netflix. And I feel like sometimes the access is like a little bit easier or maybe understanding better. Um it's just hard, of course, because a lot of these actors are still in Korea when they're like, so do you want to talk to these people? And it's just like, what time? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I always, I like the uh, competition, but also it does feel, there's a slight differently different feel, I believe, from these K-dramas that I've seen versus the ones on Netflix. So, yeah. Yeah, I do like that Disney Plus is picking up like the more genre K-dramas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really cool because K-drama like Asian Americans, not a monolith. Um, right. There's many types of K-dramas. And, you know, I personally have a soft spot for the revenge K-dramas just because I yes. love seeing people hoisted by their own petard. Um, yeah, well, 
Speaking of the competition, <laughs> let's continue talking about more K content. Uh, so Netflix also kind of like previewed a lot of its late coming and um, some names we've been waiting for. So we do know Squid Game is coming. Uh, still haven't quite picked a date yet, I don't believe, but like I'm assuming spring. Um, we are also confirmed to have a second season of Physical 100, um, more of the fantasy series Hellbound. Zombieverse, uh, Gyeongsong Creature, that's the Park Sojun series. Um, a bunch of new other things that we might not have heard of. Period Drama Uprising, which is co-written and co-produced by Park Chan-wook, which uh, we've talked about uh, his films before, including Decision to Leave. Um, right now is airing you know, some other things they've already mentioned, like A Killer Paradox. Um, uh, a bunch of other titles, but also weirdly not included in this um, Hollywood Reporter write-up, I don't believe, I have to just keep sc- on scrolling, is one that my friends and I are very excited about. It's called Chicken Nugget. Um, it oh, is... here. You can scroll down. It's, okay. it's right here. I, I see yeah, I, I, I'm... Okay, <laughs> let me keep scrolling. I'm scrolling. Here, let me just do a search. Chicken Nugget. There's a lot of K-dramas or Korean content There's... coming in. Like, one thing that I've definitely noticed is that Netflix is also acquiring variety shows, which... Yes is a very, like, almost nefarious way to get people to watch more Netflix. Because oh, yeah, you have, yeah, like, yeah. these variety shows are weeklies. And so yeah. you have, like, 52 episodes over, like, five years. And, so- and, and you know, like, South Korea understands that the variety shows continue to sell their stars. And so it's kind of like an endless cycle of, like, following one actor, you know, or, or group of actors. Like, they're all friends. They're running a, a restaurant together. You know, that type of thing. And so um, it's it's a smart move. Uh, so let me tell you about Chicken Nugget, because this is the one that all my K-drama friends and I are very excited about. So coming very soon, I believe that means March, is the comedy drama Chicken Nugget from writer-director Lee Byung-hun um, and based on the webtoon by Park Ji-dok. Uh, the logline, a woman enters a mysterious machine and turns into a chicken nugget with her father and her secret admirer desperately trying to restore her in this comical mystery drama. Um, So, as advertised, (laughs) a woman turns into a chicken nugget. Uh, The woman is the star of the uh, recently-aired series My Demon, so you will recognize her. Um, But anyway, after relaying all this information, including the very uh, important chicken nugget plotline, do we want this? Yeah, I mean, more competition, like we mentioned, is what leads to um, the players taking bigger swings. And the fact that we're getting shows like Chicken Nugget (laughs) means Mm -hmm. that, like, to differentiate yourself from your competitors means that you not only need to have, like, Korean content, but you also need to have the most distinctive Korean content, too. (laughs) Um, Like, you have your bread and butter rom-coms, but now you also have, like, weird sci-fi comedies mm-hmm. you have like historical dramas and like we mentioned all the variety shows right like on this hollywood reporter um slate there's a show called um unknown chefs which mm. you know speaks to my cooking competition heart mm-hmm. yeah there's actually so much i didn't mention just because it's a lot um but i do like the variety that, that they've been um releasing i think um I like their competition shows because the devil's game was like my favorite, (laughs) one of my favorite shows ever of last year. Um, You know, I, I'm also kind of mad because I can't seem to keep up with all of these releases until my job, (laughs) you know, suddenly switches to just, you know, Asian or K content. Then like, there's no way I can keep up with all of it. Um, But yeah, I, I like the variety and hopefully 
that means that some of the stuff that I like the best, maybe they'll make more of. Um, because there's, you know, chicken nugget aside, like <laughs> I like the absurdist stuff. And ho- I'm hoping that like maybe if this one does well, they'll follow through and do more. I, I There was another one I watched where, you know, like a woman was able to be clairvoyant when she tuck, touched the butts of her uh, her pet her pets because she was a veterinarian um that one started out great but didn't end up great so i'm just like they need to follow through well so i have a lot of hopes on this chicken nugget show i mean um, that's like that's any tv show though how many tv shows have we watched that like burn out after like episode six right i mean this happens a lot in k-dramas i noticed and only a few of them really like understand their premise from the beginning to end i feel like because a lot of them are writing it as they're airing then they change because of public opinion or they're like, oh, we need more episodes. So, so let's throw in like a love triangle, a random person from their past. And I, mean, I hate as someone that. who's read like a ton of Webtoons, especially yeah. Webtoons over the pandemic. Mm. That's also an issue in Webtoons as yes, well. It's yes. like, I don't like Webtoon that. artists don't know how to. I, I think it's like any other. They're, they're, they all have the J.J. Abrams problem where they don't know how to end their series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm excited <laughs> for things that are like eight episodes. Like keep it tight. Um and that's why I originally liked Squid Game until until they started making a second season. I was like, oh crap. But um, I mean, I'm yeah, I am we'll curious see. about oh, no, the direction they're taking it. Like, we haven't seen. Have we seen any trailers or anything from Squid Game too? Just a teaser, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, a teaser. But you know, I also don't need more than that because <laughs> obviously I'm going to be watching it. I it's just one of those sort of like bittersweet mixed blessing yeah. things, especially because it didn't of the need a sequel, and now that it has one, hopefully it doesn't diminish. Yeah, but also the, the property, right? Knowing like how the creator was basically exploited for this, like he doesn't get any, you know, residuals from Squid Game the competition series um and or any other types of things and uh and clearly because of his very anti-capitalist sort of like position, having a second season maybe wasn't always his intent. Um but I think because I remember a lot of the early conversations when people would ask him about season two was it was like during the headlights he was kind of like i don't know so he had to like he was basically yeah. forced into making a second season so um and i yeah. hope he makes everyone pay for making him do that. i hope he takes the biggest swings at yes. corporations capitalism rich yes. people like this needs to be like streaming services you know yeah. like do it all <laughs> absolutely season two needs to have teeth if, it, if it's toothless and i'll be very sad right 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 i want him to burn bridges burn things to the ground um yeah. so fingers crossed yeah all right so our last story for this episode is ending on it's also about streamers and it's mm. about streamer pettiness i want to say because it's <laughs> all for i it. read this headline i was just laughing so we all know that the three body problem is coming to netflix brought to us by the game of thrones guys it's gonna be like a big budget adaptation of this beloved and very dense chinese sci-fi novel and Peacock, not one to um, stand to the sidelines, has announced that they're going to be streaming the Chinese sea drama adaptation <laughs> of Three Body Problem ahead of the Netflix version. Um, do we want this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is an interesting question here? Because, I mean, it's already made and Peacock, you know what? You try to cash in. I think Peacock is an interesting steam streaming service. I do want them to have a little bit of competition with Netflix. It's probably going to be zero competition, honestly. Um, but might as well offer this opportunity because it might be that actually people 
watch the Netflix one first and then find the Peacock one. So I can actually see that one happening more. Like, how many episodes is this one? The Chinese adaptation is 30 episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to watch it will be, is already streaming on February 10th. So it's already out. So you can watch oh, all 30 episodes right now. It's... Hmm. It's hilarious. I want this just because I enjoy mm-hmm. corporate pettiness. Yeah. Um, it's such a, I mean, it's either a shrewd move or just I, like. I, yeah, I think it's shrewd. I mean, look, if people are that devoted to three body problem after watching the Netflix one, which is only eight episodes, then it's going to take them a while to produce another season. So why yeah. not watch 30 episodes <laughs> you know, elsewhere? And the thing is, at this moment, I don't know if that first season of Three Body Problem will cover right. the first novel or not, right? So, Yeah, it, it could be broken into two parts or whatever. Yeah, and I guess going back to our discussion about Naruto and anime adaptations, like mm-hmm. the, the C-drama version, the, the, the Chinese version produced by Tencent, um, is more of a faithful adaptation of the source material, whereas the Netflix version is the like American version or like mm-hmm. the, the Game of Thrones version. So it'll be interesting to see the two, like now that both are available or will be available, the comparisons too, right? Like Three Body <laughs> Problem is just such a dense text and there's so many themes, but at its core, it's a Chinese sci-fi novel, which while still speculative, has a different tone, right? It's a very, yeah. I don't know if you've read it, but it's a very cynical text. Like American sci-fi tends to be very like the triumph of the human spirit, right? Like humans are the masters of destiny, Whereas the three body problems, it's like the general gist of the um, the subtext is humans suck. Oh, I, <laughs> that sounds good. Um, I realized that it was also available on Vicky, so I wonder if it still is. Maybe I'll throw my my views over on Vicky um, after. But right now, my priority is I need yeah. to read the book, then I need to watch my screeners for the Netflix version, um, and cover that show, and then maybe I'll check this out. But still, good for Peacock. <laughs> You do you. I Here's the one thing I will say about Peacock is um, other than Netflix, I think Peacock has maybe one of the better user interfaces for a streaming service. Um, and, and I'm including like HBO Max or Max, um, Hulu, uh, whew, and a Prime Video. Yuck. So <laughs> like, you know, if they're going to be giving me things like sports and the Olympics, and shows like We Are Lady Parts and Poker Face. Um, I'm kind of pro Peacock at this point. So it's a good it's a good usable service. Um, and maybe they will like if they keep bringing people in by using, I don't know, just using different <laughs> things like C-dramas is new for them. They don't even have like K-dramas as far as I know, unless I they're hidden somewhere. So or at least they haven't really promoted them so having a sea drama is kind of a weird territory <laughs> um uh and maybe that will open up their game into bringing more asian dramas so we'll see yeah i don't know if i'm gonna watch this chinese version it sounds like according to this article it omits a um mm. a key scene or a key sequence from the book which is the portrayal of a struggle session during the cultural mm. revolution um which i did see it being portrayed in the Netflix version. So there's that too. But it, it sounds like the, the Chinese version is more faithful to the science mm-hmm. where the American version takes more liberties because um, Three Body Problem is a very hard science book. Well, I mean, this makes sense because uh, Netflix is not available in China. So they can do what they want <laughs> when yeah. it comes to these depictions, I guess. <laughs> um, that is curious. So yeah, uh, yeah maybe, maybe I say, would, yeah. 
yeah, needs to say, um, very excited to see um, where this goes. Um, Netflix has Netflix has some good good stuff coming up. Um, I just need to, you know, how you can download episodes. It's like, can you just download some of these things into my brain? Because I literally <laughs> don't have enough hours or days in my life to get it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am excited about the Netflix adaptation, though. Um, looking forward to watching that with you guys. It's coming out, like, in a month, right? It's, like, pretty, in March. Yeah, pretty soon. So mid to late March, March 21st. Yeah. Um, yeah, I need to get yeah. on that. And with that, I guess that'll also do it for this edition of Do We Want This? Um, thank you so much for joining us as we go over the latest Asian American entertainment news. Um, there's a lot of other stuff going on, um, but these are the things that um, excite us at the moment. But um, before we go... Um, Han, if people want to find more of your thoughts, where can they go? I am on all the socials at Anonymous. And you can find me on Instagram um, at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. Um, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with, um, well, I don't know if we're, watch- we're watching it. We'll discuss this <laughs> later. But, um, see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 